Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. So with all that said, I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Sam. Thank you. Take that. You guys crushed it. Give it up for Alyssa and Cheyenne. Come on. All right. So I'm, I'm super excited about today. You guys know that we've been going on this journey of the enemies of our soul, right? And so we've been talking about the, the lies of the enemy and how Jesus said to the Pharisees, you belong to your father, right? The father of lies. And so his native language is, is lies, so we're, we want to combat that, come against that, and believe in faith that we are, in our minds, right, you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your thoughts is where the enemy is going to come out the most. And we've said, it could be you too, right? You could be the one that could be messing it up as well. But we recognize that we are in a spiritual war, right? And so we need to, to, to put the armor of God on, and we need to step into this in faith and confidence and not live in a posture of fear. But, I, but we need to be educated. We need to know what the scripture says about this because we live in a constant state in, in our culture of fear and worry and anxiety and depression. And, and we're being led by the culture instead of Jesus leading the culture through us, being people on mission, right? And so what I wanted to do today is um, I've been meeting with, um, you, know, we have, you know, we have other churches in the city, right? <laughs> And um, I've always been a person that just wants to collaborate and get together and partner. Um, there never should be a competition when it comes to church, right? Um, the enemy's pretty good at creating that, by the way. And we should all be on mission. And it comes with different expressions and different uniqueness. And so um, um, we, probably like two years ago, a pastor reached out to me of CVC, Calvary, not Calvary, um, Chino Valley uh, Community Church, and um, he was just like, hey, we're gathering pastors together in our community, and this was because of COVID. We just want to get together, and we want to pray, and we want to dream for our city, and so there I, um, I met with other pastors, and then I met with Pastor, pastor Mike, and Pastor Mike uh, has a church, him and, him, him and Christian, Pastor Christian, called Abba Love, and I've heard about Abba Love before. How they're, they're real focused on getting together in homes, kind of like house church model and cell groups, and then they get together on Sundays and celebrate, but their main emphasis is getting together in community for discipleship. And that's when they bring people in that are non-believers and they see God do a great work. And, and So anyway, I, I was, you know, heard about Pastor Mike, I heard about Abba Love, never really did anything about it. And then we go to Portland, Oregon, I went to a conference out there, and this is where we connected. Like, it took us to get all the way to Portland, Oregon to connect. And you know when God brings, like, those friends in your life, people in your life, and you just know it's a God thing? This was that for me. And, um, and so I've been, I've been meeting with Pastor Mike on a, on a regular basis now just to digest some of this stuff. And so he's going to come up and share. We're going to actually have, like, discussion mode. And then we're going to leave time on the latter end for, for Q&A, which is really dangerous, but we're going to do it. <laughs> So um, I'll, pre- I'll you know, preference that point, but if you have any questions as we're, we're working through discussion, and um, if you have your Bible, we're going to read through um, Ephesians, so if you want to take that out, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and honor Pastor Mike, invite him up, he's here with his daughter, Mika, so if you guys could just honor him and let him know we love him, come on up here, Pastor Mike, this is for you, brother, yeah. Um, so we're going to sit and, and have a discussion, right? Oh, it feels like home. <laughs> this is good. So if you guys have your, your, um, your Bible out, we're going to have this on the screen. If you want to turn with us to the book of Ephesians, and we're in Ephesians chapter 4, um, starting at verse 17, right? Let me turn here. I have my, uh, my old school, I don't have my iPad today. I got my old school notes. So we're in Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 17, and it reads this way. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated 
from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off, or other translations, the, the, the true translation is to continue to put off, right? And to continue to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, so to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Remember the thoughts and the lies? And to put on or to continue to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I'll stop there, right? Yeah. And I know we're going to, so we're going to be here in Ephesians 4. But um, Pastor Mike, why don't, you, why don't you share with us your story? Uh, first of all, I just want to say <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Coin Church. How y'all doing? <laughs> They respond. Usually, you know, I, I've been like in, in spaces where sometimes the church feels more like a funeral. Um, how many of you know that this is a place of life? Amen. Whenever you get together like this, there's a celebration of life because Jesus is life. So if he is here and you are joyful, notify your face. Uh, I think uh, it's, it's going to be very, very um, a powerful moment that we're going to have together. So uh, I love that this setting, by the way, because you're inviting people into some of the conversations that we've been having. Yeah, I take your seat. And I take your seat. Come I take on. your Jesus. Take your seat. He owns, um, he's he's the main. I, I'm always bragging for him. You guys been to take your seat in Chino Hills? If you haven't, you've missed out. So him and his wife, um, yeah. you guys started it, and yeah. um, and then Pastor Christian, yeah. he oversees the coffee part. So yeah. 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 that's the anointed part. <laughs> uh, no, but it, it's by the grace of God. Uh, so me uh, and my wife have been in ministry for a little over 15 years now. Um, it's been a journey for sure. Um, I, I am married to my best friend uh, and, uh, of 15 years. Uh, and she, her name is Mira. So, uh, and I have a, my beautiful daughter over here. Uh, she, her name is Mika, and then I have my also my son, who I am praying for. His name is Malachi, uh, and so we are the M&Ms and the mini M&Ms, uh, <laughs> and, and we've been uh, walking with the Lord and journeying and uh, discovering what Jesus has for us. I come from uh, Indonesia, so I was, let me, do this, like, let me do it like this. So I was made in Indonesia, mm. then I got exported to California <laughs> at a very young age. Uh, but while I was in Indonesia, uh, it, was, it was such a diverse community. There's every kind of religion. So what I used to do, even though I used to go to church, but I didn't know Jesus. And I didn't know that he was the way, and I was surrounded by many ways. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was I did exploration. You know why? Because mama didn't raise no fool. I thought to myself, maybe if one of them is right, I got him in the bag. So I pursued all the different gods only to discover more lies. Uh, and I didn't realize that these lies accumulate in my life. And how many of you know that you live not from the outside in, but from the inside out? Uh, and uh, whatever has been stored inside of you, whatever you have experienced, and some of us think, oh, we've outgrown it. You know, it, it'll be fine. I'm, I'm, I'm older now. But how many of you know, just because you have grown in age externally does not mean, does not mean that you have grown inside emotionally. And that's why, have you ever noticed, like, people who are older act like they're a child again? Mm -hmm. Is it possible that it's not because they're childish? No, it's because they never grew mature in their emotional life. And so, um, you know, there's many, many events in my life that has taken place uh, where in, in my country, physical abuse, uh, verbal abuse, sexual abuse within my family was very common. Uh, so I grew up with a very broken uh, image of myself, a broken image of God, and a broken image of just life and people around me and relationship. Mm. So I live from that place of brokenness. Mm. But then Jesus. <laughs> right? Uh, and I love that, that Jesus uh, knew how to get me. You know, it talks about the fisher of men. He knew the right bait, so he used my wife. Uh, <laughs> it was not a flirt to convert situation. Uh, it was... <laughs> 
but I, I met with my wife at church and uh, at this Indonesian church, and she was not my type. <laughs> she was, she was not my type. She was not the type of girls that I used to date. You know, uh, she, she loves Jesus. Like, what's that? Uh, and. And I didn't realize that God was slowly drawing me in, mm. um, you know, because at, at that age, I think I was about 15, 16. I was already out of my house a whole lot. I was living with friends or um, different girls. Like, that was just the lifestyle that I lived. And then I met with this family, and they modeled to me what family looks like. Mm. How many of you know that sometimes Jesus' love you spoken from a stage only goes a certain distance? But when somebody modeled to you, Jesus loves you, all of a sudden, the word became flesh. And so this family made essentially into flesh the love of Jesus. And I saw it. And this is a long story really made short. This is the cliff note version. Uh, You know, essentially, I accepted Jesus. Uh, My mother in grace, not in law, because according to the law, I should have died. But she has shown me much grace, and she and my, my mother and father in grace, they discipled me, uh, and then uh, I start winning my friends, and that's how the church was planted. So how old were you when you Ooh, took this in? Lord Jesus. Um, so once upon a time, <laughs> uh, no, I was about maybe 18, 19 years old mm. when I first really gave myself to the Lord. Yeah, but that, that was just early in my story. And, and, you know, what I realized looking back is like sometimes I used to ask God this question, God, why did you allow me to go through what I went through mm. until I met with the people that I needed to meet? Mm. And now I'm able to connect with them in a level that I would have never been able to connect with them unless I went through what I went through. Wow. So God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a pain. So if you've gone through it, he is an expert at turning everything together for good. So good. <laughs> so talk with us through then your journey, um, because this was something that, that we talked through, and it's like, oh, wow, man, that's, there's a lot of questions that come from that, right? right. And so I've been, I've been going through um, a journey of, of theology and, and seeing, like, what, what is it that, that Paul means and Scripture means and the New Testament language means when it's talking about strongholds? Right. Right, because we've been going through this, the enemies of our soul, yeah. right? And the, the main emphasis has been lie. So yeah. talk with me through the language of strongholds. Like, uh, don't sure. give the devil a foothold right. language. And, and I love this passage in Ephesians chapter 4. So maybe if I can give a little context first, is that okay? Uh, because whenever we read scripture, context, context, yes. context is important. Uh, I love the book of Ephesians because the book of Ephesians is, I believe, one of the best a blueprint for a believer to look at what it means to be a part of a body. Because the books that we read in the Bible, a lot of times when we hear out here in the West, we read from a very individualistic eye. Yeah. But do you know that the Bible is a very communal book? Because the God that we serve is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is, they are the first community. Hmm. And so when we read the Bible in the context of individuality, you only see a little portion, but not the whole. So what would it look like for us to read the book of Ephesians from a communal perspective, from a body perspective? And so if you look at Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, the Bible was very good. Paul is a master at laying out, this is what's available for you in Jesus uh, in fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit that is dwelling within you. By the way, that is a, a more accurate thing. Let me ask you a quick question. So uh, how many of you believe in Jesus? Yay. So where is Jesus? In my heart. Theologically inaccurate because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. You know who is dwelling inside of you? The Holy Spirit of God, right? So the reason why we are able to be invited into this fellowship with the Father and with Jesus, Jesus provided the way for the Spirit to be in us. Now we are living out this community with God. Can you just think about that real quick? You are living out the community life as a church with the Father, with the Son, because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. You get to join the eternal community. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Grandma Liz. Y'all didn't pick that up? I mean, it's just kind (laughs) of... Okay, we'll work on that. Um, So when you look at Ephesians 1 and 2, uh, Paul lays it out. And then in chapter 2 specifically, uh, the Bible talks about how you actually receive salvation. We are saved by 
through you guys are awesome. Uh, by grace through faith. And, and it says that you are God's masterpiece. You are created for good works. What are the good works? And then after that, Paul broke it down in Ephesians chapter 3, entering to chapter 4, that the purpose all along has been to reveal the mystery of Christ. So there's a mystery of God. The mystery of God is Christ made flesh. Christ was made visible right? Because Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Now that Christ have ascended to heaven, how do we see Christ? That's why he established his corporate body here. You see, you are the church. You are the visible image of the invisible Jesus. So when people get to come over here at Coin Church, when they look at you, they don't just see individuals, they see Jesus. And, and I love that when I look around this room, I see a diversity and I see the work of God in your life. And uh, how many of you want to see even greater works than this, right? And then that's what we're leading to Ephesians chapter 4. So what do you need? How do you know how to build the body of Christ? How do you know how to live in the corporate identity, which is the church? Well, then Paul explained he, uh, that Jesus gave gifts. There's five gifts that he gave to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. What is the work of ministry? This five. And I, I believe that, you know, Pastor Sam is going to lay it down even more, but that's not what I'm getting into. Uh, and, and after that, it continues, and it, it leads into this particular passage. And I think this is why it's important. How many of you believe that we are to build the church, the body of Christ? But a lot of times, we are stuck, and there's a block. And this is why... Paul entered into this space because this is instruction for Christian living. This is what a body looks like. How many of you know that when Jesus put you from your individual life into the corporate body, we carry baggages? Anybody? Oh, just, just, just you, Pastor. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, we all carry baggages, right? And so this is why Paul addressed it. Look at verse 17. So I tell you this and I insist out in the Lord. I insist on it. In the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. That means what? You can be a believer but live like a non-believer. According to this, because he was speaking to the church, right? He was speaking to the believers in Ephesus. It says that you are, uh, essentially, what does a non-believer look like? It says they are living in the futility of their thinking. What does it mean by futility? Futility simply means this. No matter where you start, it always ends the same way. It's futile. You think you're doing something new. You actually are doing the same old, same old because you end up in the same place. How many of you know that, you know, you hear Pastor Sam preach, we are going to be free from lies. You are no longer going to be angry at your spouse. And then you leave this place. And then what happened? So is it the work that didn't work or the work is actually working inside of us, but it needs to expose some things that don't belong? Amen. Sometimes we think the work is instantaneous. No, it's a process. Somebody say process. process. See, we like instant. We don't like process. Even the sound of it, we don't like it. Right? Uh, <laughs> and then uh, you live in the futility of your thinking or the way you think always leads you to the same place, death. And this is what Pastor Sam has been talking about, lies that is very present in our thinking that needs to be removed, yeah. right? They are darkened in their understanding. That means what? You, you know what you know. You can't see anything else apart from your filters. How many of you know people like this? I call, they have what I call them Eeyore syndrome. Eeyore syndrome. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean by that? They walk into the room, it looks like dark clouds follow them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And you can feel perfectly fine, but the moment you look at them, you feel like the cloud is dragging you in too. Right? Is it possible? And they say they love Jesus. And it's very possible they do. But there's something in their life. There's a part of their life that is still given to lie. Given to a lie that is not yet set free. But I thought the word says, once you know the truth, the truth will set you free. You know that word no, it's very interesting. That word, the word no there is not information no. The word no there is, in the Greek, is called epigenosko. And it means this, to know like a husband and wife. Mm, like an intimacy. Like intimacy. 
That means what? You become one with the truth. But how many of you know that there's only room for one space, either the lies or the truth in your life? And a lot of times, you cannot put on the new man if you never put off the old. That's what it says both. Put off the old and put on the new. And so when we talk about stronghold, because we're going to continue in this particular passage. So the the thing that we're addressing here are lies, right? And and you got to know, if there is lies, there is a liar. Is that correct? Because the lies empower the liar. And so what happens is this. But, but in a believer's life, you got to understand this. Do you know that you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you? That means there cannot be anything else. Right? Unless you allow some things. Unless you allow some things to be present in your life. They can't be inside of you, but they sure can be around you to influence you. Right? And the Bible calls this what you were referring to as a stronghold so yeah. maybe if you, do, you don't mind yeah yeah let me read that verse so yeah. so i'm going to keep reading right yeah. so to be made new in the attitude of your minds put on the new self created to be like god in true righteousness and holiness so verse 25 therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold yep Anyone, or a stronghold, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, and they may have something to share with those in need. Okay, let's stop right there quick. Yeah. Let me explain a little bit of what that looks like. Okay, so stealing, let's just use the example that is there's here. Uh, real quickly, uh, how many here grew up uh, never stealing anything? Raise up your hand. You are so my, honest. I love it. I okay. used to steal my brother's uh, money in yeah. the room so I can get ice cream. See? <laughs> I felt right? so bad. How many here? Not like... Zach, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I love the confession. Um, <laughs> this is how we expose lies. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and so this idea of stealing. Do you know that no child wakes up and goes, ah, good morning, world. I feel like stealing today. No, there, there needs to be a lie that is implanted first. For example, uh, I have friends who are very much caught up in this world. And a lot of them come from a background where, the, not, not always, where the parents don't have much. And so they, this is the belief they have. If I don't take, I will not have. If I don't take, I will not have. In order for me to have, I need to take at whatever, whatever means, at whatever means necessary. Mm. So there's a lie that is introduced inside of them. And then the moment they obeyed, this is very important, the moment they obeyed, because the moment you obey the liar, you have come into a place of, give me your hand. No, no, your hand. Oh, my hand. That you wanted the Bible. Agreement. <laughs> Agreement. Let's say that there is, you know, when the Bible describes demonic spirits, by the way, they don't like, oh, it's a spirit of ooga-looga-looga. Like, it's weird stuff like that. Uh, it, it, a demon is identified by its character. Hmm. So, for example, if it's like, if it's something that causes fornication, then it is a spirit, it is an unclean spirit. Uh, usually, you know, for example, for stealing, it's, it's something called lust. How many of you know that lust is not just talking about sexual sins? But lust is the desire to take. Lust is the desire to fulfill oneself even at the cost of others. That's lust. And so stealing is a part of that. Right? Let's say that, uh, you know, I am somebody who are in desperate. I have a, a, a disordered desire. I want to have. All my friends have things I don't have. So I must do something. And then the spirit simply energized, you're right. And in order for you to have, you have to take. So he spoke a lie that comes in a, in, in a, in a, in a form of a thought. How many, have you ever wondered, what if some of the thoughts that you're thinking are not your own? No, really? <laughs> God speaks through your thoughts too, doesn't he not? Whenever you read the word, right? It's the renewing of your mind, your thoughts, your thought life. Do you know that the enemy works the same way? 
he, how does faith come? Faith comes through hearing, hearing of the word. And when you obey the word, faith is produced. And then the spirit of God is the one that guide you and control you. Right? And when the spirit of God controls you, you develop what is called self-control. How many need some today? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Don't look at your spouse like that. Uh, okay. <laughs> The enemy works the same way. So how does bondage or a stronghold forms? You hear a word of a lie. You receive it, you believe it, and then you obey it. And when you obey it now, the liar have been given access in in that part of your life. And that's the handshake. And that is the handshake. You have come into an agreement with the enemy. That is a stronghold. So is it possible for a believer to be possessed? No. But is it possible for an enemy to take occupation in a space of your life that you have allowed? Hmm. Yes. Stronghold. And that is what a stronghold is. Let's make a clear distinction there. Yeah. Okay? And so here's the good news. You can be set free. Okay, you can clap now because that's... <laughs> yeah. And, and, that's, and that's what... Um, as, as, a, as a pastor, someone who just walks with people, right, um, there's like a, heavy, a heaviness of, of a, like a burden when it's like, man, we know the words. I know. We man. know the scripture. Um, we've talked about this. Um, and, and I'm burdened because I'm like, but, but they're not experienced that abundant life. Yeah. That is that yeah. Zoe life, right? That life to the full. Yeah. And then you read the scripture and it's like, but you're a new creation, right? Theologically, yeah, you're a new creation. That's right. But, um, but there's, there's condition to that, yeah. right? Yeah. And I'm realizing more and more and more, it's, these are the strongholds that we have to learn how to push away and walk into. And God can heal someone in a moment, right? Yeah. But we talk about how that there's discipleship in That's that. Right. Right? That's right. Right? Um, and we can be mistaken that it's like, no, 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 don't talk about my past. Don't talk right. about the old. Right. right. Um, because... That's not me anymore. Right, right. But, but you have a dead man on your back, like right, we talk about. Right, And that old man... Needs to be put off. Yeah. Needs to be put off so that we can live in, in life to the full, enjoy, and, and we, we don't have to get angry at our brother or Come sister. Come on now. Right? Amen. And, um, and that's what I'm, like, desiring for our community. Yeah. Is how do we be a people where I'm not going to judge that person, I'm not going to look down on that person because they have X, Y, and Z, or they have a certain personality, or, you know what I mean? Right, right. Because it's tearing the, the it's, it's one, it's grieving the spirit of God. Right. And now we're not operating as a body, right? right? We're cracked. That's right. Wow. So talk to me then about the process to both <laughs> emotional and spiritual okay. healing then. Um, so maybe I can give a small illustration. Do you mind if I stand up real quick? Please, okay. do your thing. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Look at my body. How many of you know that I have the perfect body already? <laughs> Meaning this, I have two arms, I have two legs, right? I have everything supposedly in the right place, maybe not the right portion. Um, <laughs> or proportion, yeah. Uh, how many of you know that underneath all this goodness, all these layers, there's a six-pack waiting to happen. I can't work a six-pack in. I have to work a six-pack out. Everything to live a holy life has been given to you already by Jesus. But however, if you never work it out, it didn't say work in salvation. It says work out salvation work out so that means what there are excess weight that you have picked up on your soul maybe you have worked out well physically outside but your soul is overweight i like how you're saying you got junk in your soul that's right. like a house yeah talk that's to right. us about that because that was good man the trash okay. yeah <laughs> so here's what happened how many of you know, like, especially if summer comes around, right? One of the most annoying things are ants or other pests, right? Or how many of you have ever seen a cockroach in your house? 
Right? You just shudder at the thought of it. Here's my, here's my question to you. What invites those things in? Trash. Trash. So if you have trash in your house, it is an invitation for vermins to come. So it is with your soul. If you have trash in your soul, lies that you believe in, it is an open invitation for vermins to come. And so how do you deal with vermins? Set traps. Okay, you can set traps, but they keep on coming back. Do you know what you do? Get rid of the trash. (laughs) If you throw away the trash, then essentially sending out the vermin will be a natural thing to do next. But a lot of us, especially in the Christian world, we want to cast out demons. Demons are vermins. That's what they are. They're vermins. But a lot of times you notice that people, especially, listen, I, I have... I am friends with everybody, and I love that about the body of Christ. I can be friends with my evangelical brothers because I'm, I'm a part of that tribe, but I'm also friends with my charismatic brothers. And a lot in my, in my conversation with a lot of my charismatic brothers, I'm like, yeah, man, people need deliverance. And what I've seen is this. People who go to deliverance ministry, they come back exactly the same way or worse. Yeah. Why? If you only cast out the vermin but never deal with the trash, they'll come right back. And as a matter of fact, they'll invite more vermins. That's the discipleship. Yeah, that is the piece of discipleship that needs to take place. That's why God designed it that way, Mm -hmm. so that we need one another. Look at your neighbors. Look at your neighbors. And tell them this. I need you. Kelly, I need you. (laughs) Now, now, I want you to to tell them this. But you need me more. Okay. (laughs) 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 Right? And I think, uh, the community, the one another piece is the missing element yes. that, that, is, that, is, uh, that is often not practiced in the church today. So that apart from the community life, because how else do you sometimes spot the junk? How many of you know that there's people, have, you walk into their house, you're like, oh my gosh, your house is trash. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about? I see nothing. <laughs> you ready? So, so with that, I love that. So <laughs> So go a little bit more um, deeper on the practicality of like the junk meaning the emotional component, right? right? I'll give you an example. Can I share from my own life? Okay, so I have a a conversation that that I battle with called comparison. Hmm. So I grew up in an Asian household, and what that means is you have to have straight A's and you have to be good in math, and I destroyed all of that. I'm terrible. And uh, I remember my dad once told me, like, I brought my, like, math grade, and he was like, you are my son. My blood runs through your veins. You should be good in math. And I'm like, am I the neighbor's child then? That's my thought. And and so I I grew up, you know, like, with, with... family members, you know, like, you know, my, my aunties and my grandma was a part of this, and they would compare grandkids or their children. I was compared to my cousin a whole lot, mm. and so I grew up with this thought that I am not good enough. I don't know how many here can relate with that thought, but I grew up with I am not good enough, and that's the lie I believe in. I will never, here's another one, you ready? I will never be good enough, no matter how hard I try. And because I, I remember that was established by a very specific memory. Uh, I was, I remember I, I got like a C minus. That was pretty good, okay? In math, I was so proud of myself. And so I, I mean, I felt like I ran home in slow motion, ready to show my dad, you know, like, bad luck. And I showed it to him. And I remember he looked at the paper and he just went, <sighs> you know, when somebody breathed out like that, you see not a good sign. And he just folded up and he gave it back to me and he says, why don't you come back when you have something to show? Hmm. And that's when, remember, the liar now empowers empowers another thought. You see, you will never be good enough. First, it starts with I'm not good enough. Hmm. And then, as I continue believing in that lie, he adds from I'm not good enough to I will never Hmm. be good enough. And then, you know, and then I went through my life, and Jesus came and rescued me. He saved me. I got born again. I got married. Praise Jesus. I got kids, you know, and I'm leading a congregation. Life is good. 
One day, I, uh, I took my wife for our anniversary uh, to, eat, to eat out. And I feel like nothing spells love more than K barbecue. Um, <laughs> Saranghai. Uh, and so I, I went ahead and went to K-Town. And we were eating this Korean barbecue spot. And, and my wife didn't even intend to do this. So I have another pastor that I work with. His name is Chris. And my wife just merely uh, laid out the differences of the way we work and the way we think. Remember, for her, it's not, there's, it's not comparison. But if you have a comparison narrative in your mind, mm. guess what happened? You're going to always compare. Yeah. Does that make sense? And it'll be energized after that. All of, I remember being so upset and being so angry. I said, we are going home right now. Date's over. Mm. I'm done with you. And so my wife was like, oh, okay, well, what, what, what happened? Mm. And she got in the car. Now, how, uh, how long does it take normally to drive from K-Town back to Chino Hills? <laughs> no, bro, it's not 30 minutes, man. <laughs> it's, it, there's a lot of traffic. Uh, you know, if, you know uh, so I, I got back essentially about, yeah, 25, 30 minutes. I was like fast and furious, you understand? I was driving back, and I remember this thought, Sam. I looked at the side of the freeway, and I remember having this thought in my mind. If I angle this right, I'll kill us both. Wow. Let me ask you a quick question. Hmm. Anybody in your sane mind, if you have your sound mind, would ever think like that. Hmm. But how many of you in your anger, you have thought about the craziest things? I love my wife. I love my children. I love the ministry that God has entrusted to me. But in that moment, there was a small whisper that came in. And how many of you know that's not human, that's demonic? Because I have allowed it to enter from what? From a lie that I believed. Yeah. We got home and I told my wife, get out! Mm. By the way, I thank God for a woman who's already saved, sanctified, and meant for the glory of Jesus. Because if this was her back then, I would have died six times already <laughs> in that car ride. But she came out graciously, and she came out very, you know, like just like poised. And, she, and then she, before she closed the door, she said, honey, I know you're angry, but don't do anything stupid, okay? I'll pray for you, and I'll talk to you at home. And she closed it gently, and I was like, how dare she? You know when you're that angry and somebody's nice to you, you're not happy. Mm. Be how dare she pity me? Mm. She thinks she's better than I am. And I remember I peeled out, I drove off. Mm. This is Pastor Mike. Already in ministry, already serving, already preaching, already doing all the things I minister to people. Mm. I still act very immature. Mm. I remember I pulled up at the driveway. At that time, it was Toys R Us, bro. Y'all remember Chino Hills Parkway? Mm, Lord Jesus, that was an anointed parking space. Uh, and I, I, I pulled up at the parking space, and I remember thinking to myself, how could she? She's, she's the same. She's just like everyone else in my life. Where'd that come from? And I remember driving. I, I pulled up from the from the parking lot and I remember thinking this I need to teach her a lesson I need to teach her a lesson and I remember driving back and there's this thought I know a girl I was ready to throw away everything that God has given me because there was a damage in my soul that I refuse to deal with. And this is why you see so many pastors and so many believers. We have an easier time to judge when believers fall. But if you don't know their story, what they need is not judgment. What they need is a community that will not judge them. That's how they get healed. That's how we get healed. And I remember... As I was driving, if I was to go north, I was going to destroy my marriage. If I go south, I was going to go home. Mm. 
I thank God for a praying wife. I thank God for a ministry of the body because she is a member of the body. She's not just my wife. She is a member of the body. Do you know that she feels what I feel? Because she is a part of one body. And I, that was the first time, Sam, and the, the only time I heard the voice of God audibly. I was driving, I was driving, and I was ready to go north. And I could hear God says, go home, son. And then my body just automatically went, and just turned the other way. And I was going home, and I was angry. I was like, how dare you? God, it's the woman that you gave. Sounds familiar? I blame my wife, and I blame God. How dare you? And I pulled up in my, uh, in my uh, 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 what is it called, my driveway, and I remember telling God this. I'm going to teach you a lesson. Where's my iPad? I got my iPad. I put on porn. You know how immature that is? And I couldn't even enjoy it. So I threw it down, my iPad, to the floor, which I regret later. Because it kind of cracked and I had to pay for it. See, dumb things. And I remember in that moment going back into the house. Have you ever entered into the house and the temperature is about 20 degrees lower? You could almost see your breath. And you could almost hear, do you want to be a snowman? Like you could almost hear it. That's how cold it was in the house. And I walk upstairs, and I remember my, we had this long hallway, and my wife came out of the door. It, it felt like a Korean drama moment. <laughs> and it felt like everything slowed down for a moment, and she looked at me, and I looked at her, and it was a close-up, mm. you know? And, and, uh, and so I was going to, you know, do the drama queen thing, went, you know, and like keep on walking. And so that's what I did. We walked past each other, and Sam, you mind standing up real quick? Those of you who watch Korean drama, you know this. I want you to go ahead and walk past me. Just walk past me. It's this grab right here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this is a K-drama moment right here. <laughs> to which, you know, if you grab my hand, my answer was no. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Absolutely. Y'all don't know about... That's not Korean drama. That was coin drama. Uh, that was a different key drama. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember uh, going into the room. And, you know, we have a house rule. In, in, our, in, in our master bedroom, no outside clothes can ever get on the bed. You have to change your clothes. It's just you have entered into the holies of holies. Hmm. So, you know, that was at least what we established. And I remember I was wearing outside clothes. And to teach my wife a lesson, hmm. I jumped <laughs> onto the bed and I rolled around <laughs> onto the bed hmm. like a child. Why? Because I never grew past that age emotionally. Hmm. And every time that's touched, I revert back to that. Hmm. Does that make sense? And then I remember I, I pouted and I just sat and, you know, just laying down. And I can hear my wife come into the room. She closed the door and I could hear her pray under her breath. And then I could feel her teardrops falling on my feet. And she tried to touch the edge of my foot to which I was the extra drama queen. I says, touch me. <laughs> so stupid. And I got up. And all of a sudden, these words came out of my mouth. This is in the context of community because my wife is a part of my community. She's my partner in this, in this process of healing. And I remember all of a sudden bursting out saying, you're all the same. My grandma, my auntie, my mom, you're all the same. I will never be good enough for you. And then she says, I never thought that. And then it was in that moment she began to minister to me. She prayed for me. She goes, when did you first heard this? And we prayed. And it was like, it was like, a, it feels like God replayed a reel in my head. And there I was. I was about nine years old. And I was at a family gathering and I saw my grandma, the matriarch of the family. 
and saw all my aunties and my mom. And they were all telling my mom, you know, it's because you never taught your boy right. And they were all kind of looking at her. And she looked at me with eyes filled with disappointment. Mm. And that was the first time mm. I've ever heard that word came into my mind. I am not good enough. And I believed it. Mm. And so what was the process? If lies is the one that captures me, then it is only truth that can set me free. How do I do that? I need to forgive those who have wounded me. So in that moment, my wife led me, hey, I want to represent your mom. I want to represent the women in your life that have judged you, that have wounded you. And I just remember ugly crying. You know, there's beautiful crying and there's ugly crying. You know, ugly crying is like snot, the whole thing, like, you know, fetal position on the floor, like that kind of crying. And I, I remember crying so aloud. And then she led me to forgive all the different women in my life. Wow. And I felt so free in that moment. Now, does the comparison conversation that still comes in? Sometimes. But I have a self-control where I did not have self-control before. Because before it was given, I, I gave that control to a spirit. Does that make sense? But now because I've submitted to the Holy Spirit and I forgave and I released the lie, now I have a self-control in that area uh, where I didn't have before. Amen. So, uh, and that's how you get set free. By the way, there's many stories, but that's just one. That's just an example yeah. of essentially what happens in community, in discipleship. And, my, and I told my wife, I'm so sorry that I yelled and screamed and act like a child. She says, I forgive you. Just don't do it again. <laughs> that, was, that was the story. That's amazing. Wow, yeah. I kind of want to open it up. I want to honor the time. I want to open it up if you guys have any questions um, as we kind of are processing this together. So remember what Pastor Mike is saying is is that um, we all wrestle at times with getting off the old, stepping into the new. And there's moments... um, brokenness, things that have happened in our past that of 100% theologically we're set free from, yes. but there's, there's still sort of the ramification. Yeah. And, um, and what Jesus always intends to do, what the Spirit of God always intends us to right. do is to set, set us free from those That's things right. so that we don't give the devil yeah. a stronghold That's right. or a foothold. That's right. Are there any questions that you guys might have? I know this is, we don't hardly ever do this, but anything that's kind of coming to mind that you just have a question for or uh, a thought? If not, we can talk a little bit more, but I wanted to open this up for anybody that might have a question. Chase, um, Cheyenne's going to bring you the mic, Chase, so everyone can hear. We can hear you too. Hey, thanks for sharing this uh, awesome format. What would you say is the best way to like identify what the stronghold is in your life? Like, if you keep coming back into repeated patterns, I mean, you had a very clear somebody said something to you, but if you don't have something that's so specific, what would you say is a way to identify it so that you can address it and find freedom from it? Right, uh, and I, I can answer that question actually. Verse, um, if you look at verse twenty-five, is very key. After it talks about putting off and putting on, it says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your, to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Sometimes you can't see it on your own, but if you live in community, somebody's bound to spot it. And that's why we don't want to live in community sometimes. Why? Because somebody's bound to spot it. Right? Do you know why they call it a blind spot? Because you are blind to it. Right? And, and there's this idea of, you know, when, when, the, when Jesus addressed in uh, actually Matthew chapter 7, do not judge lest you be judged. Right? And, and a lot of times Jesus would address essentially this removing of a plank uh, from your own eye. Uh, you know, before you try to remove the speck in your brother's eye. Actually, if in those days, the reason why Jesus said what he said is because there was no mirror. They didn't have mirror. So you know who can remove a speck from your eyes? A brother. 
you need somebody to be able to live with you. And as you live together, how many of you know, I like what John Orbrick says, people are normal till you get to know them. <laughs> right? People are normal till you get to know them. So as you live community life together, everything will be brought to the surface. Uh, you know, because you're having to be real. You're having to have friction. How many love that word friction? Mm. Right? Nobody does. But how do you practice unconditional love unless there is friction? Does that make sense? Yeah. You can only experience that in community. I'm so glad the name of this church, Coin, Koinonia. It's a major emphasis of being with one another to the point that you are one. So that is the short answer to a very long, because that, that can be like a whole teaching in itself. But I love that you brought it up because that's a very important question to ask. How do I spot it? Sometimes you need somebody else. So good. Yeah. You know, sometimes you need somebody else. Yeah. Anybody else have a question? Eric? Pastor Mike, um, I see this happen a lot all the time and when people have had people that harmed, been harmed by people, but they don't want to forgive. Now, what does that look like? Like, people have been hurt, right? Like, I don't want to forgive that person. They hurt me. They put me through so much in my life. Like, I just don't want to forgive. What does that look like in their right. life? Uh, in my experience, you can only give away what you first received. So what that means is, uh, usually when I hear that, I, I usually share the gospel with the person first. Uh, just because, you know, when you are able to forgive, receive the forgiveness of Jesus, like how Jesus forgave you of your sins, of your... Because sometimes we, we think, oh, like, I, I'm not that bad to deserve that, compared to that person. We like to compare that way. But actual, in actuality, actually, you know, when we hold unforgiveness towards someone, it's like, it's like a debt. And by the way, the debt is not going this way, it's going that way. Uh, which is weird, right? Uh, but that's what happens when you do choose not to forgive someone. So I would share the gospel with that person. And if that person does not, does not receive it, it goes, I, I know Jesus forgave me. Because the power to forgive, if you keep on reading here in Matthew, I mean, sorry, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. So the power to forgive is not whether or not the person deserves it. It's because Christ has first forgiven you. That's the power to forgive. So you can't force them, though. If they still don't want to forgive, I, I suggest, I usually pray for them to make sure that they, they really have a personal relationship with Jesus. Um, you know, and pray that if they have a personal relationship with Jesus, that Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will essentially move their heart to obey. Because there's nothing that you can't do. Because if not, it'll be manipulation. Right? You can't force that to happen. So I hope that helps That's a little great. bit. One more question. How would someone start that process of forgiveness? Because I get that question all the time. It's like, well, do I just, is it something that I say? Is it something that I just feel? Like, how do I right. begin that process of awesome. forgiveness? First thing, every unforgiveness, every bitterness or resentment or judgment is usually tied to a very specific memory. Right? Tied to a very specific memory. So there's just a whole thing that we could talk about at a different time because this is a long uh, a long talk for that one, but essentially, uh, one of the things that you need to do is allow them to, if they are open, they need to face some things. There is very, very possible that they need to face a very specific memory, but not alone. First, the community, the loving community is there standing with them, saying that you're not alone, you are not judged, we are here for you, we are here for your healing, because your healing is also our healing. Because if we are one body, then you grieve with those who grieve and you rejoice with those who rejoice. In the same way, you hurt with those who hurt. But you're also healed with those who are healed. Does that make sense? That's the one body. So uh, I would start with that. And if they're open to face it, uh, then reminding them that Jesus is also now present in this space, in that memory. Maybe, uh, do you mind if I share a quick story, a short yeah, story? Yeah. I have a friend that I was discipling, um, and we were in a car, and he, he has a rejection lie. He goes, I don't know why, man. I always felt like I'm rejected by women. But when I see him, actually, it's not true. Girls don't really reject him, but he feels that way. Hmm. He feels that way. So as we were talking, it's like, hey, 
do you want to maybe explore and, and maybe discover why you feel the way you feel? And he's like, yeah. So we prayed, and then all of a sudden, I asked him, like, we, I was in the car. I was driving. So it's a good thing I was driving because that would have been bad. Uh, I was driving, and I said, hey, go ahead and close your eyes and just tell me what, you know, the Holy Spirit would show you. And he says, it's dark. And I'm like, okay. And, and he goes, I feel so scared. I'm like, okay. And then he said this, I want to live. I want to live. And then he saw a picture of his mom. He didn't know this before. He saw a picture of his mom going to an abortion clinic. How is that possible unless the Lord really showed that? And so we went through the process of forgiveness. Uh, essentially, Jesus entered into that memory to redeem. It's not that Jesus was never there. He was there, but we couldn't hear him. And essentially, when he says when he was about to come out of the womb, he keeps on saying, no one wants me. No one wants me. No one wants me. And then he heard Jesus, I want you. And every lie in that moment, it, it broke. Because he heard the truth. The truth confronted the lie that he believed in in that moment. And he forgave his mom. And he goes, and then he started confessing, I am wanted by God. He desires that I live. He wants me to exist. I am no accident. He began to profess this. And later on, he called his mom. Mom, I got a question. I just had a craziest experience. I want to I ask you, and by the way, please don't feel guilty. Mm-hmm. I've I, I, I already forgiven you. And she's like, forgiven me for what? Right? And then he goes, Mom, did you ever, when I was in the womb, did you ever go to the abortion clinic? And there was a pause, and she dropped the phone, and she was just screaming and sobbing aloud because that was essentially something she buried for a long time. And it was brought to the surface. And then Jesus dealt with it, and he was able to lead his his mom to a place of, I forgive you. And she was also set free. So you see how your healing can also bring healing to other people. Does that make sense? So I hope that helps you. You you need to go back to that memory. Um, Grandma Liz, you had a question? I don't know if it's a question exactly, but it's just some thoughts after listening to you. And thank you so much for bearing your soul to us. It's very much appreciated. But, you know, just some thoughts that I wanted to share. And you feel free to comment if you want. But, you know, we are today because of all of our yesteryears. And, and, and there's times, I think, in everyone's life where you almost just give up. Like you said, you just give up. And that is opening the door so wide for the devil to come in and do his duty to you. And I, I always believe, this is how I, I think all the time, that on one shoulder of me is the Lord, on the other shoulder of me is the devil. And, you know, I've got to embrace this shoulder to keep this shoulder away from me. And I was just wondering what your thoughts all are on that. Um, I think the whole shoulder idea actually came from, uh, you know, it's, it's not just Christians who thought this way. This was thought of in many different religions. Um, you know, but the whole idea essentially is not just a shoulder, but it's, it's somebody who, is, who has your ear. So who has your ear? Is it the Lord or is it something else that has your ear, right? And so here's, here's the most beautiful thing that, that happens when you accept Jesus, he says, I have not only given you a new heart, according to Ezekiel 36 and 26. I have not only given you a new heart, I've given you a new spirit. So uh, essentially, there's no more demonic spirit that is able to latch itself on you unless you still believe in the lie, unless there's still an agreement, mm. right? So the only way for it to be present you want if there's an agreement. So how do you essentially get it out of your life? Break the agreement. Mm-hmm. Submit yourself to truth. And right. so that, that's my thought on it. It's not, it, so that idea comes from that thought, actually, mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. It's good. Wow. Thank you. I hope that helps you with it. Yeah. Uh, maybe one more question. Anyone else have a question? Good. It's great questions. Um, I think if you want to invite the, the worship team up, I want to go into uh, just a time. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Can we give it up for Pastor Mike? Yeah.
How you guys feeling? Good? Um, I'm sure you guys will probably have a lot more questions. Um, I, I've learned that um, a lot of times when, when, God, when God really begins to like speak to our hearts, uh, even in ministry time, um, sometimes it's a reflection of what we talked about last week or what's going on in your life this week, you know, so sometimes it takes a minute to process what's going on. Um, and this is literally just hitting like just, just a small piece of, I think, like something really deep when it comes to understanding uh, just the lies and the liar, right? And um, my encouragement to every person in our community, like the question is why, why do we talk about this, right? Well, the reason is because we want, we want all of us to walk in freedom, you know? Like that is the desire of the spirit of God and of the scriptures and of God and of Jesus and, the, and that's the desire of being a part of the body is that we would be in community with each other but we would walk in freedom. And so if I could say this, um, the enemy's not happy that we're having these conversations and you could think, ah, it's over spiritual, Sam. Sure, but you have to learn, I mean, just read Ephesians, the, the, the armor of God. We've talked through this, right? And so now you have sort of a different perspective on when a thought comes in. We've been trying to just grill this in every week, right? When the thought comes in, identify it. And why do we do that? So we can walk in his goodness, so we can be people of love, so we don't have to be, you know, uh, Eeyores. We can be Tiggers, Right? <laughs> Um, filled with love and joy and, and excitement for one another, you know, and, and, and feeling the heart of God for those in the room or our friends or those that we're in community with. That's my prayer for you, by the way, that you wouldn't look at someone with a judgment, but you would look at someone with the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father is love. It's unconditional love, by the way. It's radical love. It's a love that is illogical. It doesn't make sense to our potential futile minds until we put on, right, the newness of God. And so I just, I just want to pray this. I mean, right now we're going to go into worship and you're dismissed if you, if you got to go, but I, I just want to have a time of, uh, just a ministry time where um, if, if you just need prayer, we're going to invite Kevin and Marlene and, and Kelly and I will be up here and Pastor Mike will be up here. Any, anyone who, who just, we want to bless what God is doing. Remember, this is not like the walk of shame. No, like we want to bless what God is doing in your heart and in your life. Because can I just say this? There are people in the room that you have, you have a call of God on your life. Everybody has a call of God on their life, by the way. You're all ministers. But there's specific dreams and imagination and prophetic utterances that come from God himself. And you've been pushing that away for so long because of fear. And I wanna be a part of a community that sends those into the workplace to do the ministry of God. That we would have a confidence, if I could say it like this, a, a God confidence. To be able to walk into a room and speak life into people I mean, we ought to be people of love and joy. People would want to be around us, right? But in order to get to that man, that woman that God has already called you into, we have to get rid of the old nature, continue to put off the old. And that is why I need to be in community, by the way. Because like, like Pastor said to, to Chase's response, there's things that I'm blind to, man. That's why we say we're going to call you to more. But I can't do that if I don't have equity with you because you're going to like get really upset with me and walk out the door. And that still happens, though. We have to be people that are willing to take correction because we could be wrong. But how can we do that if we don't have a community that desires an unconditional love for one another? And so... I just want to bless whatever's God, whatever God is doing in your life. Um, I don't know if you sense this, but can, if I can just say this as your pastor, there, there's a shift that God is beginning to, to, to shift us in as a community. And um, 
I, I have had, I've been sharing this with certain people, like a holy discontent, if I could say it that way, that we are just not in alignment with how God has called our community to be. Uh, within a deep sense of, 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 of oneness, of community, that coin, right, the koinonia. And, and with that, I just believe that God wants to just, he wants to bless what you're doing. He, he wants to set you free. He wants to work on what's going on in your soul. And by the way, if I'm, like, it's going to require a process of discipleship, right? So right now, if, if, can we just all stand? If, if anyone just kind of needs prayer, if, um, we're going to have a time of ministry. We're going we're gonna to sing and worship together. If you have to go, we love you so much. Um, but we just want to pray for anybody that needs prayer. We want to bless what God is doing in your life. And, and I just pray that you would be challenged today, by the way. That you'd be challenged to continue to put off the old and step into the new. Does that sound good? Awesome. We're going to worship. And, and we'll just be here praying. If you have to go, we love you so much.